Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. We're uh, we're back watching Doctor Who, The Power of the Daleks, Episode 2, When the Sun's Out. We're doing more of these ones with the sun out now, mm-hmm. so we don't fall asleep while watching them, but perhaps because of the Pavlovian response of previous episodes, I felt myself kind of sleepy. That's not at all an indictment of the quality of the episode that we just watched. Oh, no, not at all. I also was a little bit sleepy, but... <laughs> It is 6.30 in the evening, after all. <laughs> I had a long day of work and dental appointments, mm-hmm. so it's been it's been a day. But it was nice to come home and, and watch some Doctor Who. And uh, uh, one thing that I realized that we didn't... I don't remember if we talked about a lot or not on the first one was the fact that we're watching the Telesnap Recon instead of the animated. I, I meant to, to say that, and then I think someone contacted us on Twitter and asked, and I think... Did I actually end up saying that? I don't know. I honestly don't remember. We don't remember what we did. But yeah, we're watching the Telesnap Recon, which is really exciting because we did go see the animated version in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. So I have already seen this, but this is the first time that I've actually seen seen it the way it's supposed to be with actual characters, with the Doctor and Ben and Polly in, in non-animated form. I mean, they're not moving, but it's really them. It is there um at the end of the six episodes we'll watch the uh compilation of actual moving footage uh some of which comes from a one or two, one one's a promo uh the introduction of the Daleks actually when the doctor and Ben and Polly actually stumbled upon the Daleks they found a promo of that like recently like I want to say 3 or 4 years ago it was tacked on to the begin the beginning of another program that exists in the archives that didn't check until then. And then there's a couple ones that are from like other shows as well. And then there's a whole bunch of home movie footage for this story, which is kind of cool that whoever, perhaps it was the same person who uh, was taking home movies of, uh, of 10th Planet Episode 4 and wanted to, um, to get the moment, I suppose, of this new Doctor in this new environment. No, dear, the moment is in Day of the Doctor. The moment I think you'll find has been prepared for. Wah, wah. We're like this all the time. <laughs> yeah, we are. So, uh, so the 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 what happens in this episode? Um, I forget what happened in the first one. They stumble on Daleks, and then Lesterson starts experimenting on them, and or continues experimenting on them. Let's let's face it, because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what you think of this one? I hate Lesterson so much. <laughs> I mean, not like he's he's an effective character and he does what he's supposed to do, but I just find him utterly annoying. He's so the stereotypical mad scientist, so like I mean, but he's a terrible terrible scientist. He's awful. Um he well, first of all, he can't even like fathom what that second uh, appendage could possibly <laughs> be for, and he's just he oh and when um what was the the name of the assistant who got shot Resno yeah Resno so, Trent Resno womp womp so uh so Resno says you know it's looking at me and and Lesterson's like no 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 it can't be next thing you'll be saying is it has some intelligence like but why wouldn't it you're a scientist you're not supposed to jump to conclusions like that he's just, oh he's so terrible. He's a bad scientist. But I suppose that's why the colony's in the shape it's in, if that's your lead scientist. <laughs> oh, he's just... And, yeah, he's... I feel like the performance sounds really good, so I feel like it's... It, but it's it's just... It is sort of dialed to 11. Um, 
and I don't blame the actor on that. I feel like that's true to the character, but it's still kind of just ugh, makes me roll my eyes. Um, but I quite like Jan Lee, mm-hmm. and I, Resno was well. Actually, he was kind of annoying too, like freaking out when it was sort of looking at him, like. Dude, keep your cool. I was curious as to why the Daleks sought him out. Um, perhaps because he saw that the other two, Janley and especially Lesterson, were probably more paramount in resuscitating him. Perhaps he saw Resno as a, someone to get out of the way. This is sort of the beginning of the, in my opinion, of the scheming Daleks. And you don't even hear him talk. Uh, until the very end of the episode, you just sort of have to wonder what's going on. I was like, why is he fixating on Resno of all people? I just thought it was a very, very creepy scene that was. And then, of course, he shot him down. And then, because Daleks kill people, sorry. Um, but then Jan Leala says, oh, no, he's fine. He's fine. And then starts wrapping the body up. Mm. Yep. First of all, I just want to say, I, I think you should really refer to the Dalek as it, as opposed to he. Good point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so... It, I, I like your, your thoughts about why it would uh, take out Resno. I also wonder, since it's sort of been, you know, kind of hidden away just behind, like, you know, we don't know exactly because we can't really see moving footage, but a secret compartment, according to Annika Wills. And they've probably been wandering around and, you know, talking. And we heard Resno talking to Janley as they were working on the Dalek about, you know, you people and your rebels and the governor could Mm -hmm. stomp you at any time. And so this Dalek has been sitting there and listening. So it kind of knows where each of these three characters sort of fit into the, um, you know, assuming it can hear when it's powered down, but even, you know, it's been having power pumped into it for a while. So it kind of knows what all these characters sort of are up to. Lesterson is clearly devoted to finding out what makes the Daleks tick. So there's no reason to get rid of him. Janley is part of this rebel group. And, you know, rebels are generally destabilizing forces within a community, um, which, you know, can be a good thing or a bad thing. And, but, but still, I feel like the Dalek would know that that's perhaps something that it could use to its advantage. Whereas Resno is just basically, seems to be just a straightforward guy. He's putting one foot in the other, doing his job. So I do think that you're right, that perhaps the Dalek recognized that this might be, might be an obstacle mm-hmm. that it needs to, that needs to take, <clears throat> take out of the way. So, so yeah, I, I'm not certain I understand Janley's motivation for hiding the fact that Resno is dead. Um, at this point, certainly at this point in the story, like even having seen the whole thing, though, I'm not entirely sure. So that's something that I want to kind of pay attention to and go back to as we as we watch and see more, because like, why would she do that? She has not seemed like she was all that intent on on like like she didn't seem like she cared as much as Lesterson about resurrecting these things. Unless she's, well, remember, she's a member of the Rebels. I know, but why why would Rebels care about this any more than anybody else? Well, because, possibly, um, she doesn't want Lesterson to know that this thing is, in fact, a weapon and wants Uh, to hide that fact from him. Okay. So so the the experiments can continue Mm -hmm. and Lesterson can continue to get this thing back up to full power and then she can use that possibly for her own means. Oh, okay. Oh, you're right. That makes perfect sense. Especially since she says that Resno was knocked down by the shockwave, yeah. uh, which is not exactly what happened. You know, he he was shot and killed, basically. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you for filling in that uh, that gap in my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is 
Well, we'll talk. It's only episode two. I can't go into why this yeah. is my favorite Dalek story of all time, possibly. But um, but we'll get into it later once everyone has seen all the episodes and once we've seen all the episodes. But that that scene was a favorite of mine. I remember when I watched that for the first time. It says, "Oh wow, this is really supremely creepy." Mm-hmm. Um, and also the you know. What I like is that I think perhaps in the earlier days, I remember I mentioned about how Ben basically narrating his actions as he's walking around the room in 10th Planet. Mm-hmm. And here, instead, we're left bewildered by the doctor's actions. And then only when he cuts open that fruit and mm-hmm. reveals the bug inside, we realize what he was doing. You know, perhaps a, le- a lesser or a, a less intelligent or, or witty script would have like sort of explained what was going on or perhaps he would have like you know shushed shushed him or made a motion that there's like something like that but instead he's completely erratic and eccentric and we have to go what's going on with this new doctor and everything Mm -hmm. and then he shows us without actually telling us Mm -hmm. it's quite quite brilliant some subtlety from Troughton this early on yeah, and he also has the recorder, which he can sort of use to uh, drown out or silence his yeah. companions when he when they start to go too far and say things that he doesn't want them to say, uh, which he did in the in the other room uh, when Ben was about to talk about the the thing that they saw scuttling on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor just cuts him off, and Ben like stops. So I mean, there, that could have happened multiple times off screen yeah. when they were in in their room. Um, but yeah, the doctor's reaction. Oh, fruit. Yeah. <laughs> like just, uh, there were a couple of like one-liners that were delightful that I really wish we could see to watch the delivery. That would be one. I would love to see Troughton going for the fruit. Uh, the other one is when uh, at the beginning of the hearing, when I think it's the governor that says to the examiner, um, you know, so you, you seem to be of, of two minds, examiner. And Ben just says out of the side of his mouth, more like two bodies. <laughs> something like that oh my god that is yeah that's i I like ben a lot but i feel like that's my favorite ben moment so far that was just delightful yeah Mm -hmm. that was superb and at the end of that was one of my favorite scenes is when the dalek comes in and you know up to now you know because even in this episode um you know ben's going the other doctor you know him Mm -hmm. he's gonna be still not quite sold on this being the same doctor and Polly, you know believes him but you know the viewers perhaps still haven't accepted him who is the f- or what is the first thing that confirms the identity of this new doctor mm-hmm. and it's a dalek which is so creepy that it knows it knows it the regeneration means nothing mm-hmm. to this creature it knows exactly who they're up against uh, and then it starts going, I am your servant, because that's even creepier. And so the only two people in the entire room who know the truth are the Dalek, who is leading all these colonists and possibly Ben and Polly and under, you know, into this false sense of security. And the doctor is like ranting about this mm-hmm. as, as the Dalek gets louder and louder. That's some great stuff. Yeah, that is that is just utterly bone chilling. And it really makes me think of... Um, uh, Victory of the Daleks, the Mark Gatiss episode yeah. um, in the Matt Smith era, which I mean, everybody knew was very much a nod to this story, uh, which I think is is great and fine because you can't watch that story. So or this story. Mm-hmm. So makes sense to sort of remake it in a way. And and yeah, it's it's like the Dalek carrying tea, <laughs> like, yep. which 
it but super 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 creepy especially like the reconstruction that we watched has uh, you can tell when it's sort of the Dalek's point of view because it's it's got just a circle carved out in the middle with like the doctor's face right in the middle of it. So it's like the Dalek eye stock POV shot. And the doctor, the, the shot that they got, they managed to get a good one where the doctor looks all freaked out. And yeah, they're just sort of shouting at each other. Like the doctor is trying to say like, these are horrible. They're going to kill all of you. And the Dalek finally just starts saying, I am your servant over and over again, louder and louder to just drown him out. And Lesterson is practically drooling all over it. Oh my gosh, they can. And that's another thing that annoys me. Like, you know, think of all of the problems this could solve. I mean, I I, I like that from a science fiction standpoint and stuff, but really the Daleks are not um, the most like aerodynamically designed (laughs) sorts of things. So knowing what we know about the Daleks now, sure, they'd be great at doing stuff because we know how the sucker can can mold to somebody's face or open up a keypad mm-hmm. and how they can fly and like all that kind of stuff. All Lesterson knows is they can roll around. Like, that's it. Ooh, look, it moved a chair from one <laughs> side of the room to the other. There's like no fine motor control. It's just, it's kind of ridiculous on the face of it. Our chair moving problems are over now <laughs> thanks to this new Dalek. Oh, yeah. yeah, pretty, pretty funny. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, I, that doesn't really take away from the story. That's, that's very much uh, the limitations of 1960s budgets and mm-hmm. set and monster design, creature design. Uh, it just, it does make me laugh. Like, move that chair, and then you hear the mm-hmm. of the chair being pushed yeah. across the floor. It's like, all right, <laughs> good, good work. Yeah, I think I wrote this. In I did a blog for most of the classic series around. I somehow stopped with about 12 episodes left. Uh, maybe one day I'll pick it up because I've written the TV movie review. Mm-hmm. It's there. It's been written for years, just ready to post once I get finished the rest of them. Um, but I think I actually wrote at the time that it's also, you mentioned Victory of the Daleks, this is also a, um, a sort of an homage was made in Dalek properly and i think actually rob Sherman commented on that blog post way back in 2009 i think it was i think it was him maybe someone posing as him because i actually referenced it when he says you know one dalek is all it will take to destroy the colony that's almost word for word what um uh what's his name the the head the megalomaniac in dalek in the bunker Mm -hmm. It's played by Corey Johnson. I can't think of his Mr. name Annoying. now. Mr. Annoying um, says, you, you know, and, and Christopher Eccleston's doctor mm-hmm. says, you know, one, that's all it takes, you know, mm-hmm. just wipe out 12 mil, you know, well, wipe out Salt Lake City, essentially. It's kind of the same thing here. You know, mm-hmm. this, that's the great thing about this is that you look at the Terry Nation written stories and the Daleks are kind of like, he's already bored with them by the chase. He doesn't know what to do with them. He sort of makes comedy Daleks. And they're sort of like, they they become these ranting things. And I think a lot of people don't like the Daleks because they're sort of these ranting things. And they become, again, ranting things when Davros sort of is, in, mm-hmm. is and they just become basically his bodyguards. But the two David Whitaker scripts, this one and Evil of the Daleks, are the best because he introduces scheming and sort of this deviousness and this planning that uh, we've never really seen from them before well I look forward then to getting to Evil of the Daleks because I have not I've not seen that mm-hmm. like ever um, and yeah I, I do like this story quite a lot so that, that makes me happy yeah, I have to say that I'm, I'm, I like the story I'm eager to get through it though because you've seen it now <laughs> and I've seen it like 
three times in the past like seven eight months now this might be the fourth time actually because i've you know various things for the podcasting convention and stuff so like i feel like this feels kind of familiar now as opposed to um when i first saw it obviously so Mm -hmm. yeah but it's it's good Mm -hmm. Uh, i just want to point out for anybody that's curious that your blog is called the chronic hysteresis that's right and is available online at isn't it radiofreescarrow.blogspot.com? You got it. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's that. And I also totally on, uh, you just reminded me of the chase. I just want to take a moment, um, totally tangential, to, <laughs> to pat myself on the back for, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? I do, explain. <laughs> um, so uh, we are proudly um, on the Incomparable Network. And there are a number of other delightful shows on the Incomparable Network, which we recommend that you should check out. One of those is called Total Party Kill, which is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast that I am on almost every episode of. I think all of them starting on episode 24. And we have been playing Dungeons & Dragons, but for uh, an upcoming season, we don't know exactly when they will air, but we've already recorded part one um, of a Gamma World adventure. And Gamma World is like this wacky, wacky post-apocalyptic mutants and random weird stuff game that's kind of based on the D&D rules. Um, so anyway, I, uh, we each created two characters because characters die a lot. So we had to have a regular character and a backup. My primary character is... Uh, and you get to pick the the picture that we're just using on our little game map. It doesn't really matter, but uh, I took a picture of D eighty four from Roas of Death to be to be my character icon, and I named my character E eighty four because I'm an android. I was very proud of that. But and your initials E and my initial is E. Yep. Um, but the the thing just in that, case you all forgot, <laughs> in case you forgot <laughs> from the from the beginning of the yeah. show. Um, and my backup character was a, this was just randomly generated, but my backup character was a fungoid. And um, since fungoids are actual creatures from the chase, I decided to use a picture of the fungoid from the chase as my icon. And I named my character Chase Morton. And Steven is shaking his head at me and now nodding. Mm-hmm. I was proud of that. I'm proud of you for that, I suppose mm-hmm. I should say, because it took me a couple seconds. Chase Morton. I get it now. Explain. <laughs> so Chase, because it's from the story, The Chase. Uh, and Morton, because uh, the character that Peter Purvis p- played in one episode of The Chase before he became Stephen Taylor was Morton Dill, the hayseed from the south uh, of of the United States of America, who they ran into on the top of the Empire State Building before the Daleks showed up. Yep. So chase morton so like there's a like i don't want my character to die because i like doing Mm -hmm. an android voice um because it's really fun to do an android voice but there's a little part of me that's like if e84 gets killed that's kind of okay because then i get to play chase morton now now this this podcast isn't coming out for a while is that right correct we don't actually even know when it will happen we just wanted to bank some episodes however if you are a member of the incomparable there may or may not be a uh, a bootleg release of it at some point in the nearish future if we put that together. So, mm. so if you're a member, watch watch your feed. And if you're not a member, well, gosh darn it, think about becoming one and um, make sure you take the ticky box next to Lazy Doctor Who <laughs> because we could use the money. That'd be fab. Mm-hmm. That's the incomparable dot com slash members. Mm-hmm. Well played. Well done. Thanks very much. (laughs) And until next time on Lazy Doctor Who, goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.